Oh, it's hard to be so excited with these hellos now that we're getting so close to the end, but it's fine. We're going to push on through and not be sad here as we are on episode 10 of season six. I, of course, am Matt, and I am back here today to discuss the rise and fall of Sue Sylvester with a special guest, but also with a guest. Is he special? You can decide. Amon Adwin, how are you doing today? I am... Fantastic. Really excited about this episode. Uh, The Glee Club is finally going to be fully furnished. Yay. Essentially, yes. Um, Is the company good? We'll have to decide that throughout uh, our discussions today. All right. So to bring in our guest today, this is a big moment, isn't it? As we, uh, I don't even know if she knows that this is the case, but we, well, I know she knows the first part of this is the case, that we opened up our first episode guest episode of the choir room with this person and on the schedule this is the last guest we have scheduled to be here on an episode recap as we are in this portion of our choir room coverage welcome back for the third time kirsten mckinnis what i'm the first and the last oh my god (laughs) how special are you i like legit you said that and i like i had a whole thing in my head i was gonna be like wow amon's been demoted to a guest he's not even a co-host like (laughs) what's going on and then you said that and i literally just felt a well of emotion in me and i just feel so (laughs) special and lucky that i get to be the last like episode recap guest i'm glad i didn't tell you beforehand so we could experience that emotion live on air with you because you don't get emotions from me too often but this uh that gave me some emotion and this episode actually had me emotional as well at one point that we'll get to all right i'm excited to do so uh well i mean and to be fair uh you did pick the episode here uh it just happened to be towards the end everybody picks the episode you wanted to do this one and uh which just so happened that we were you know kind of keeping the last few episodes uh as rupaul would say just family for uh episodes 11 12 and 13 <laughs> but yeah. Um, did, Kirsten, do you have any uh, takes on, or not takes or anything, but any thoughts on why you landed here before you even rewatched the episode? So I don't know why I picked this episode. I really don't because uh, as I you know explained in my, my first appearance, I have only seen season six of Glee one time and it was earlier this year and it was in a binge. So the specific episodes don't stand out all that much to me. Um, But when I was looking for an episode to come on as my last appearance for now, uh, for for now, I mean, for an episode recap, I was just trying to find one that I thought would be um, fun. And I think like I was so traumatized by like the Sue elevator situation with the Klain stuff Mm -hmm. that I knew it couldn't be that episode. And I think I just thought the title of this episode seemed fun and I didn't remember anything about it. (laughs) And then when I watched the episode today, I was like, I'm so glad I picked this episode because it's literally a joy. Like, I loved this episode. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Amon, we uh, we watched, of course, as Kirsten was mentioning, you know, the uh, a couple of 
earlier in the season Sue episodes, uh, the Hurt Locker part one and part two, a lot to do with Sue Sylvester. And now here we are with one final episode that is very much centered around this character. Uh, is it too much or do you think, you know, this is uh, just just right? Enjoy the episode. I think it's uh, I think it's just right. I feel like I mean, we've been spending the past six seasons talking about the outlandish behavior of Sue Sylvester and they definitely ramped it up in this season and I feel like this was this was their way of calling her out for everything so uh it I mean there was only there's only one outcome for for Sue here and I think that this was very well deserved so I feel like this episode kind of like encapsulated the like the just just how crazy of a character that she is so i i love this episode a lot yeah it kind of feels like you know how we we talk a lot about how the planned ending uh that we know about of how things were really supposed to end with finn and with rachel they must have had some kind of ending planned for sue where they were thinking all along about all of these things that were inserted as part part of her character and we're going to see throughout this episode as she gets exposed for so much shit that has gone on in the past six seasons that may or may not be true uh it feels like as they were writing that all along they they must have i hope that they knew that one day they are going to have an episode where they bring all of it back together and have exactly exactly what this episode is uh you know so like i said they weren't able to un- unfortunately finish the exact way they wanted the finchel storyline to go but this i feel like they if they had it planned from the beginning they played it out perfectly yeah, I'm just imagining as they were writing all of the other episodes, someone has a notebook and they write down every little like wild Sue moment. Oh, yeah. And then when it came time for this episode, they like pull it out and they like lay it on the desk and the book is heavy because there's so <laughs> much in it. And they're like, this is what we have to work with. Like, let's go. Let's get it all as much as we can inside <laughs> of the episode. But yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, of content here. So I guess uh, we can just get right on into it unless, Amani, you have anything else? to set up before we begin no i i think i think i'm ready to get into it all right yeah uh of course the uh, here's what you missed on glee is going to be solely focused around sue it's and like the, the su- reminder the supercut of sue the supercut mm-hmm. exactly of uh sue and all of the different times that she has basically said that she is wanting to destroy the glee club once and for all and she's tried sometimes succeeded but That's her ultimate end goal, and as of season six, it's not fully uh, achieved. We're going to open the episode off with Jane uh, and the New Directions with a performance here of Rather Be, which was, you know, another, the the whole season here is a bunch of songs that were popular back then at the time. Uh, You got Spencer that jumps in, as well as Alistair. Um, I personally love that we are back to having three Cheerios on the New Directions. Uh, That was a great takeaway that I had uh, watching this. Uh, Blaine and Kurt are back home. We'll get to them in a second. But uh, Aman, thoughts on uh, this opening number? We're a thousand miles from comfort. <laughs> Those are my thoughts, Matthew. I love this number. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Otherwise, of, I would have said, um, "Sing the song." Oh my god! I mean, I don't know why you don't ask Amon to sing all. Like when Amon breaks into song on this podcast, I'm always just like, "God, imagine if I had any talent." Like, imagine. Thank you, Kirst. Thank, thank you so much for you know, for for being that supportive friend, and you know. <laughs> person in my life you know I, I really just I don't know what that's like normally so I just really really appreciate that so 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 to much. be fair 
to be fair, I don't have to put up with your shit nearly as much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love the song. I love the song. We're um, a thousand miles from comfort. Okay. Oh, so it's okay, it's okay for you to do. Okay. Wait, well, okay. I, I see what's going on here. But yeah, I um, I, I was I trying to sing song. with you. I've, I've, I've like. Okay, been guys, do a duet. <laughs> ever since we did that. We've done that a couple times, and sometimes I edit it, and I'm like, hmm, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. They got some uh, interesting choreography here. Myron, of course, is over here, you know, killing it. Love it. And yeah, this is a, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this number. <laughs> Kirsten, do you have any thoughts on Myron? We just met him in the last episode. Uh, of course, Child Stars, he made his big debut. Now we have all the rest of these new directions. Uh, a lot of talented people in here, voices, uh, talented voices and whatnot. And then Myron shows by, who's also talented, not to put him down on that end, but just this ball of energy, 13 years old, and he's made his way to McKinley. Uh, Myron is a star, a legend, uh, an icon. I love um, hearing them talk about like, well, why do I have so many sequin jackets? <laughs> like, just I feel like there's so many good one-liners that come out of it, and just the whole concept of like this middle schooler has been accepted into high school just to be on the Glee Club. It's such a wild storyline that I think in any other show would just be so like out of this world. But right. on Glee, it's like, yeah, okay, we got a 13 year old now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was saying that in the last episode, pretty much uh, almost verbatim about how like if this was even a couple seasons prior, it would have been insane that uh, this boy showed up. But we're in the final episodes of the show. Nobody cares. Uh, But as I mentioned, Kurt is here and Blaine. They are back from their honeymoon, seemingly a little quicker than expected. Uh, Will comes over to ask them if they have any tips. He's like, I know you guys probably still have vacation brain, but any pointers, anything? Uh, Guys, uh, any thoughts? They're not paying him any attention. Guys, like what's going on with you two? Blaine is obviously very distracted. Amon, why is Blaine so upset? Dalton Academy is no more. It has burned to the ground. There is nothing left. Nothing. All hope is gone. All hope is lost. Everything up in flames. He's the strong. <laughs> oh, man. I'm surprised they didn't break into song and dance after that reveal, but... Well, uh, appreciate I, mean, I wanted to see the footage. I wanted to see the smoldering embers of Dolan Academy. This I wanted that is shot. On fire. <laughs> so, like, okay. sorry, Kirsten, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. Please, conti- please continue. Um, so what I okay, I get it. Dalton has been a big part of you know Blaine's journey. It's very important, but it's like it's a very expensive private school. It will be rebuilt better than it ever was. Like, it's not like everybody died in the fire. Then I would understand. Seems like, yeah, that's so. I thought that that's, I thought that's, yeah, I thought that's where the episode was going to go the first time I watched it. I remember thinking that, like, back in 2015 when watching this, I was like, did they kill somebody? Is somebody dead? Is one of the warblers dead? Oh Oh, my God. But thankfully, no. (laughs) I thought you meant you thought all the warblers were going to die. And I was like, oh my God, I'm on that so dark. I, I mean, look, it, they have been throwing caution to the wind with some of these storylines in this season. So I was like, OK, anything's possible at this point. Anything like if anything Glee goes, turned into so. American Horror Story in this in its final hours here. And it was just yeah. like, uh, Evan Peters so. came by and set the school on fire or something like that. I, I wouldn't be oh, surprised. And it would be Evan Peters. It You're would right. be Evan Peters. He does uh, look like he would do arson. 
<laughs> the next day, Will and the New Directions are in the choir room with the Warblers. He's gathered the, gathered them all here because they've all been talking. Uh, you know, he he himself, uh, Blaine and Kurt. The Warblers were the competition, but now it's time to see them as our friends and our allies. We need them just as much as they need us. Kitty's like, where's Rachel? Shouldn't she be here for this? Uh, she's off in New York on some business, but she'll be back soon. She's totally on board with this plan, though. Everybody is eventually going to shake hands and join forces here. Everybody except, I mean, not, not that she's not uh, getting in on the on the handshaking or whatever, but Jane, of course. Uh, this is sucky for Jane. Uh, she was turned away from the Warblers in the beginning of the season, made her way to McKinley, and now she is right back with these assholes that voted against her. So we're going to see throughout this episode. She's not too happy with their presence here totally get that uh blaine thanks will for his generosity he says it's in times like these that we can find comfort in the kindness of our friends and will's like yeah it's going to be a challenge for all of us to to move forward but i know we can do it it's really awesome that the warblers have this passion for show choir it's stronger than ever we really need that if we can uh or if we're going to go all the way to nationals this year uh, not just sectionals guys sue is going to come in and uh fake join in on all the clapping and excitement she's like i'm sorry but the aroma of the overly dry cleaned polyester uniforms just uh, waft into my office and up my extremely sensitive nose and i can see why now the glee club is hosting the lima gay men's chorus uh and of course we get a line from really gay warbler in the background oh no she didn't i can't believe they cast that guy uh in that that's just uh too iconic but yeah, so that's that's what's going on. The uh, the Warblers are here. Sue uh, is is very hesitant to accept them in. Uh, she is not down with this idea. She tells them to pretty much get the hell out of the school. But Will's like, no, they're staying. I already cleared it with the superintendent. So, and then they're also going to exchange a little bit of uh, back and forth with the Susie Q. She really hates the Susie Q. I'm on. She's like, don't call me that. It's like Susie Q. Stop it, Susie Q. What does the Q even stand for? I am. Did he have to go over her head to do this? I feel like if these are a bunch of, like, displaced students, they should have the liberty of being able to go to whatever public school they want to go to. Um, or they could have just had classes online. I mean, I'm feel like, I feel like I feel like Dalton Academy has, like, a lot of resources. What do you I'm think? Surprised. It's 2020? Also, <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, isn't Dalton Academy supposed to be really far, like, an hour and a half away? Didn't we do this math before? So all we of have, these yeah. kids are going to come, like, an hour and a half every day to, to McKinley High. Really? Mm-hmm. How convenient. <laughs> well, and I'm just wondering how any of their parents are okay with this. Like, they're being sent to a very expensive private school, and I am anticipating that their parents are have sent them there for a reason, and that they probably don't want their, their children traveling an hour each way to go to um, this kind of scrappy little underdog school mm-hmm. just because it has a good glee club. Jane did say at the beginning of this season that because of Sue's, you know, being the principal there, like the like the the grades at McKinley High School are on par with any private school in Ohio. So I feel I guess like they, I feel like that slipped not miss a out. little bit since the beginning of the season. I feel like we're not totally in that world that we were when she first joined the school. It's only been a little while, but I feel like uh, <laughs> Sue's already. Losing I mean, the control. only thing that changed is the Glee Club, right? Everything else is the same you know but yeah and that's when sue gets distracted and she can't focus on any of the things she had been focused on prior (laughs) so i wouldn't be surprised if it has slipped a little bit but uh either way point taken um and she's talking about here about how she's like well if you got it cleared with the superintendent i'm gonna get it uncleared with senate majority leader mitch uh, mitch mcconnell i was like can you fucking oh my god i was Uh, so triggered i was so triggered i know 
Uh, she's like, who I recently met at the Cayman Islands and blah, blah, blah. Uh, she also talks about her brand new cutting edge Apple Watch. I was like, they are really trying to make this some kind of time capsule here. Like just, uh, oh, the Apple Watch just came out. I'm like, okay, 2015, go off. Um, but that's it. Uh, Is that when it came out? Really? It must have. Well, yeah, because it's only, I think the one that's out right now is only the fifth generation. So that, I guess the yeah. sixth generation wow. probably was just announced, but I have no idea because I, I have my fourth generation and I'm happy with it. I have my first generation. <laughs> I would take a first generation. Uh, I would I would take anyone. I just bought whichever one was the cheapest because I wanted it primarily so my friends could cyber bully me into exercising. Yeah. My friends have not bullied me, so I really wish I could have my money back. <laughs> oh, is that like one of the apps where you can like send them nudges on the on the on the watch, being like, "Get up, like work out." Yeah, like you can share your activity. So if you like do a workout. It can if you're sharing with that friend, then they'll get a thing being like, oh, this person just went for a 5K run. And then you can send them like a bunch of emojis being like, you could do it, cowboy emoji. Or if someone does like a really slow run, you could send them a bunch of turtles Um, or if someone like isn't closing their activity rings. You could be like, yo, what's the situation here? And I really wanted people to be bullying me for my lack of physical uh like exercise that i had been doing and my friends are all too nice because all they do is congratulate me when i do work out and say nothing when i don't i need people to be nicer to my friend kirsten mckinnis no i want them to be mean to me to force me into a revenge body all right well i guess we can work on that i mean i can introduce you to sue sylvester if my connections can pull through i feel like she'd be more than happy to uh do some shaming if uh she thinks that you get out of uh out of shape at any point so she is just the diet for me. Yeah, that's honestly the best the best answer for the problem you seem to be having. Uh, over in Sue's office, we are going to see Becky Jackson back at the school. Love to see her yelling at Sue for not letting the Warblers in because it is so unfair. And she is getting so loud, Becky, that uh, Sue has to close the door. Uh, Daryl is here as well, who is uh, doing his best to translate Becky's yelling because Sue's having a hard time understanding her because she is getting so loud and like screaming at her. Uh, Becky's like, the superintendent said it was okay. Uh, Sue's like, well, the superintendent may have said it was okay, but the president pro term of the United States Senate. It, Orange G. Hatch begs to differ. Uh, oh, save the drama for your mama. <laughs> Sue's, Sue's uh, continuing to talk about how all of these high up people are agreeing with her that the Glee Club is stupid. Uh, and the notion that two rival show choirs would suddenly just join forces out of nowhere. It's both morally repugnant and, and uh, convenient. Yeah, very convenient that this would just happen when the New Directions need 12 members of Mon to uh, make their way to sectionals in the next episode. So we've arrived at the answer here, (laughs) but there's that. Uh, Becky says, I'm not going to let you get away with this. Not happening. Uh, Sue's like, Becky Jackson, do not stand in my way lest I brand you a traitor. Becky's like, I've performed unspeakable acts of loyalty for you. Uh, Really? Like what? Oh, I shoplifted for you. I went in front of a grand jury for you. I I don't know why, but uh, but hurting kids with a burned down school is my moral limit. You're evil, Sue Sylvester, and you're not my friend anymore. Becky, damn, Jesus Christ, holy crap, this is, this is wild. Uh, but Sue's not happy with this, of course. She's like, Becky Jackson, don't you trundle away from me. You toddle out of this office and you will never come back. Uh, and then Amon, she's going to blame uh, Daryl for this. And uh, Becky is taking a freaking stand and we love to see it. I know. Um, I'm surprised that this is her limit. Uh, I guess she's got a soft spot for the Warblers, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's for Gay Blaine. I don't get it. It's for Gay Blaine. Um, but <laughs> this, this is like... 
to her finally saying no more, no more. She came all the way back from Cincinnati just to drag Sue in her own office. And uh, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Because there really is no reason for Sue to tell these kids no. I mean, they, they lost their school, for goodness sake. Like, and they're good. You know what I mean? It's not even like, like why did, since when has Sue hated the Warblers? Or is it just she just hates all Glee clubs? It's just, come on, Sue. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, Becky uh, snapped. She did oh, yeah, that. She but I just came up with a theory. Did Will Schuster burn down Dalton to get new members for the Glee Club? He is too much of a, uh, what's a nice word to put this? Baby back bitch. Let's go with that. Uh, to <laughs> to uh, ever do anything like that. So Not baby back bitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Kirsten hasn't gotten to season five yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm behind. I feel like I was saying, was I only saying it in season five? Interesting. Uh, maybe you started a little bit in season four. I can't quite remember, but then again. Well, I look forward to getting to that because that's the best thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Either way, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I see Will doing it, but um, un- unless you have more on this theory, is there like any particular reason? I just think he would do anything to win the national title this year. Mm. Maybe Rachel. I guess maybe it's more likely that Rachel, yeah, would do it. Yeah. Um, who else is around right now? Oh, all the all the good all the good people are around. Like no like, uh, back in her day, Santana around to like burn a piano and you know burn down a school at the same time. But who knows? So that's that. Um, yeah, like I said, Sue is blaming the boyfriend here and saying he did it. You turned her against me, and uh, he's like, no, Becky did this all by herself. So Becky has had it. She is done. She has a hot boyfriend now, and she doesn't need Sue anymore. And I don't love to see that, but, uh, I mean, some everybody has their limits. And uh, Becky's limit is not letting in all the new gay kids. So, you know what? Standable. Yeah, so I the, the, the problem, and I guess we don't really have to bury the lead here, seeing as how it doesn't happen, but there's no closure here after this. Like, she goes off on her, and we're going to see later on in the episode that she goes a little it goes even further and then there's no reconciliation between these two after that and i always kind of felt like that was kind of fucked i hope that there's something in like a future episode but i feel like you watched that recently and maybe there's not i mean i feel like they def i mean i feel like like tourists like in the season finale like i feel like they're they're there we see them together again but i'm talking about like in terms of this episode like there's they don't meet up ever yeah. again and it's like this so I, I don't know it just doesn't feel right to me i, f- I, like, I feel like it had to have been like a deleted scene or something yeah yeah that's sad we'll see how it goes um i mean at the very least i, I think uh <laughs> sue has a lot on her own to work out uh from what's about to come here so uh once they get past that maybe that would have happened in season seven uh the reconciliation but whatever uh we're gonna go over to niata niata we haven't been at niata since uh forever ago but we are here in the halls of niata rachel is like i can't believe it's only been a year since i walked these halls but i feel like a completely different person i used to be just like them naive and uh eager i used to see this place is just another stepping stone on the way to bigger things, but I'm not that girl anymore. I've been through the uh, through the fire and uh, clawed my way back, and now I'm here to ask for a second chance from the one woman who could do it. And you know what? She might laugh in my face, but I don't even care because I know for sure one thing: I can do this. Uh, of course, Rachel is here at Madame Thibodeau's office, and uh, her secretary tells her, "Yeah, you're uh, good to go in, but I wouldn't get my hopes up because she's been looking forward to this one." 
Kirsten, I know you haven't been like rewatching season six along the way to uh, prepare for this or anything by that. You uh, do have a life and things to do. But um, <laughs> Rachel's plight here in season six has been very, you know, she crawled her way back to Ohio. She's managing this glee club far away from her dreams. Mercedes came back and tried to give her the the little like push to get back into, you know, what she's supposed to be doing with her life. And now she's back here at Niata crawling her way back to Carmen Thibodeau. Yeah, so... She says, like, oh, I used to see this place as a stepping stone to greatness, but now I know it's not that. So I'm here to ask for my space back. And for what, then? Do you not think it's going to help you get to greatness? Like, it's just confusing the way that she says that. And it's all just so baffling to me. Like, I still will never understand, like, Rachel leaving Broadway to go do a TV show in the first place. Like... None of her story has made sense for a while. And mm-hmm. so I guess trying to, you know, bother Madame Thibodeau is the only on brand thing she's done in a minute. Like, leave her alone. Let her live. <laughs> I'm just so pissed that Whoopi is not here. Like, where are you? <laughs> like, don't promise I me mean, she was a Whoopi scene. It's probably busy. It's probably busy. I get I mean. it. But, like, why did they have to tease us by saying that she's going to visit Carmen Thibodeau and then not show us Carmen Thibodeau? You're right about that, though. I. Would have liked it better had we gone to see her put Rachel in her place. They didn't have to, like, have us, like, see her at Niata. We could have just, you know. Like, if they weren't going to show Carmen Thibodeau, I'd rather they just vocalize, oh, yeah, she's back in New York to see Carmen. And then she comes back and tells us what happened versus, you know, giving us these blue balls for some Carmen Thibodeau. Right. Like, (laughs) the fact that, like, they're right outside the office and all you think of, like, just watching a TV show is they're about to go in the office and you're going to see Rachel talk to Carmen Thibodeau and have Carmen Thibodeau laughed in her face. Um, I was reading something that I think that she was supposed to be in the episode, but since, uh, she, I guess, like you said, she probably wasn't able to, uh, they ended up, like, you know, cutting, like, the need for her, but still having this be the storyline. I don't know. Disappointing, but it's fine. We still had plenty of Carmen Thibodeau back in earlier seasons, but okay, we'll uh, see how that goes later on. Sue is uh, on her own uh, waiting outside of the superintendent's office and she goes inside and she finds Will Schuster also inside with uh, uh, Superintendent Harris. He's called them both here. He has to uh, discuss some serious things and he hopes that Sue is going to take this seriously. So apparently Will is pretty much here as a witness uh, as well as an aggrieved party. Uh, Sue says, I'm happy to clear up any confusion. Well... Sue, something has come to my attention. Something grave, almost beyond. Sue, I saw your Hurt Locker. Oh, damn. Oh. Oh, damn. She caught. She caught. (laughs) Ready I mean, I would just get up and leave. I would just get up and leave at that point. Like, (laughs) because there's no coming back from this. Like, they've seen it. But I feel like... I feel like she doesn't think that what she's done is, like, beyond the pale, though. Like, to her, she's like, yeah, this is my life. That's my Hurt Locker. And what of it? Yeah. This is the the, uh, douchebag who, like, got caught cheating on his girlfriend. This is the 13-year-old boy who had his computer open and his parents found the gay porn on his computer and they're confronting him about it. This is the every time anybody uh, has been caught with something that it's like, there's no way way for you to get around – like they're them telling you, I saw it. And before you're having a chance to explain it, I saw everything and I know what's going on here. So like, you can just see the look on her face. She is just, she's caught. 
Her Hurt Locker has been exposed. It's only, you know, a couple episodes old that we even knew about this. So it's not like I'm sitting here like, oh my God, this thing that like she's had since season one, like somebody finally knows about it. But, you know, you get the point, whatever. So we cut over, we see him inside the locker and he's looking around in complete shock as he sees everything in there. Not only did he find all of the awful shit that she has in there, she found the, was it a doll of of Myron that was in there? His own nephew. He's just an innocent bystander, a tween genius who loves sequins too much. Uh, And when you find the Myron doll, apparently that activates something that opens up the clean shrine as well. So this guy found all of it. (laughs) I'm just Kay. So the movie The Heart Locker came out before Glee was ever a thing. Do you think that they always had it in their minds that Sue would have a Hurt Locker and that it would be exposed? Like, when do you think they were like, okay, she has this? It's a good question. I definitely feel like there was, I don't know if a Hurt Locker was always the plan, but I feel like this episode was always the plan, if that makes sense. Like, there was always going to be this episode to give Sue what was what she had coming to her and they just went the extreme route and gave her a hurt locker to be exposed on. I mean, I forgot that this happened entirely. I knew that this episode was called The Rise and Fall of Sue Sylvester, but I forgot that one of the biggest parts of the fall was her hurt locker being exposed, but I guess I should have known that since the hurt locker kind of has been a thing that we've returned to multiple times since they since it we've been brought into its existence. So this is like, I cringe. Like, I could feel my booty clench when <laughs> he said that they found that Hurt Locker. I was like, oh, you're done. You're done, bitch. It's over. And he's, he's found so much in there as well. Like, he goes in. He's like, I'm all for young love. But this it's is this so is wrong. Like, I, I could have overlooked so many things. But then, Amon, what he, he says, what I saw le- uh, next left me no other choice. What is this? And what does he, what does he present to her? Uh, what? Oh, I forget what it is. What is it, actually? <laughs> Is it the, is it the clean uh, room? No, it's the uh, the penthouse magazine. Oh where yeah, where she was like a centerfold. I just, I just repressed that from my brain. Yeah, uh, she talked about it a couple seasons back that she was you know proud of this during that. I think it was uh, during Naked during that episode. Unless I'm just combining that for yep. no reason. No, you're right. I listened yeah. to that podcast today, and mm-hmm. Amon was similarly uh, traumatized then. Oh man. He found it. That's crazy. Why would she why would she keep that in the hurt locker? That's some I mean, I know that she never expects anybody to go in there, but she said that this was like a place where she stores her hatred. I guess she hates her cover? I don't know. I just or her her spread rather in, you know, more ways than one. But I just feel like you would put that in something like a like a lockbox somewhere. I don't know. I just So Kate so I think it's because, like, the Hurt Locker itself is just, like, a storage space that she rents, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know what? She's already renting a storage space. The Hurt Locker part of it doesn't take up all the room. Like, here's just, like, my box of things that I don't want anyone to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, this is going uh, quite poorly for her. She's like, I don't see how my personal forms of recreation have uh, negatively impacted my job performance. I inspire people by stoking my own embers, if you will. Uh, I stand by and very proud of what good I've done for this school. I think if you were to ask any McKinley parent or student or any reader of the U.S. News and World Report, Harris cuts her off and says, I take my responsibilities very seriously, Principal Sylvester, and clearly a part of you does as well. But after I saw your locker of vendetta and your pornographic spread I cannot allow you anywhere near the students of McKinley or any other young people anywhere ever uh, it is with profound regret 
that I terminate your employment. And Sue was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm, I'm sorry, what What did you just say? Sue, you're fired. Damn! Damn. Woo! Wow. How, how long have we sat here watching this show saying, how does this woman still work here? How does she get away with what she gets away with? In the very last episode, Aman was cracking himself up as Sue walked down the hallway, smacking some young girl across <laughs> the face. She the shit out of her. Oh my God. <laughs> and she gets away with it time after time. <laughs> but it's caught up to her. Yeah, she straight up murdered people at the She has part murdered of the show. people. She has done every awful thing you could think of at this school and has remained employed, has been promoted to the principal of the school if uh, beyond anything else, but she's fired. That's it. It's over. It's over. And it's and not, not nonetheless like like it's also by the guy who she had a crush on and uh had a whole thing going with. So like to add insult to injury, like this is this is a rough time to be Sue. Yeah, the guy that you had a that that you had a little crush on, and he's seen your whole vag right before firing you. It's just like, damn, like this is uh, it sucks. You said bye, Susie Q. Bye. Uh, all right. So now that Sue is fired, let's get into this next portion of the episode, which honestly felt like it was like fifteen minutes long. But we'll get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, Sue is going to be interviewed. Feels American Horror Story style. Uh, this happens in, in that show a lot. Uh, Sue's also been interviewed on this show before, uh, back in season two or three or whatever it was. But this time, also, not for good reason. Last time, was I was going to say for good reason, but no, it wasn't. It was for uh, like the biggest loser of the year or something like that. Uh, <laughs> she's here with Geraldo Rivera, and he is interviewing an American treasure, or at least she was, champion cheerleading coach Sue Sylvester, who has led a life chock full of winning. But lately, Sue, it seems like you've been smacked around by the loser stick. Is that right? She's like, well, despite being one of the scions of American education, I've recently lost my position, my financial security, and my legacy has been tarnished. And today, I intend to set the record straight. Uh, but Sue, you're rec- uh, your reading your record of accomplishment, they almost all seem too good to be true. And when our fact checkers poured through them, they found out that most of them are made up. Sue's like, I beg your pardon? Well, for instance, we learned that you were not born in the Panama Canal Zone. You did not fight in the Falklands War. You did not play any role in extracting the uh, dictator Noriega, nor is there any evidence whatsoever that you were ever waterboarded. Uh, she's going to stop him right there. She says... Uh, Geraldo, I waterboarded myself. Uh, Well, you did not direct the TV movie, The Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. You do not have Trinidadian roots, nor were you ever, even for the shortest time, the tambourine player for Wilson Phillips. Does anybody know who Wilson Phillips is? It's Kate. Have you... It's the song... They do the song that plays at the end of Bridesmaids. Haven't seen it. Um, What's that song called? It's... They have one, like... At least one, like, super famous song i'm sure they have lots of famous songs that like people would know so did you did you recognize our guest here or you just knew you know of them i i know of them what is the song oh it's the song they do the song hold on oh yeah they did did that on glee i'm pretty sure if it's the same hold on Mm, is it the same hold on no no i have to check Do, 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 Google Glee, hold on. That's what I'm doing right now. Yep, it's by, yeah, it's that one. And that's the one I love. I love that uh, cover in season five. So, um, big fan of that. 
And uh, Aman still doesn't really care much about it because every time we bring it up, he's like, what song are you talking about? But it's fine. I feel like it's a song that like you enjoy it when you're listening to it, but it's not necessarily one you would think about outside of it. Like the end scene of Bridesmaids is literally iconic, but I would never be like, oh yeah, I'm going to listen to Wilson Phillips. (laughs) Well... Uh, Courtney Wilson is here, I believe is her name, and she pops on screen to uh, disp- uh, to express her uh, not being very happy with Sue. Uh, she, she she's like, I d- I did the tambourine. <laughs> I love that. She literally got all they called they called her in for that interview. She got all dressed up, looking nice and everything, only to say, I played tambourine for Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, before we go too much more into these like allegations of Sue getting called out, it's like. It's very, very weird to have Geraldo Rivera on your show. Like, he is not a good guy. Yeah, I was looking him up and looking into more about him, and I was like, hmm. Like, the most recent thing on his Wikipedia page, or not the most recent, one of the most recent things, um, is from March when he said, hold your breath for 10 seconds. If you can hold your breath for 10 seconds, you don't have coronavirus, oh, which is not I how forgot science he said that. works. I forgot that he said that. He's on Fox and Friends. He's horrible. He is just like a bad guy. And it's not new that he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it dates back decades of him being horrible. And so it's just really questionable that they chose to use him for the segment at all. Yep. I was, uh, like I said, I uh, was surprised at some of the things that I was finding when I was uh, doing my own research, which I don't even happen to do very often. I just happened to uh, look this guy up to learn more about him. And I was like, hmm, okay, but you know what? It makes sense because Sue is also horrible. So the fact that, you know, these two horrible people are together, um, I mean, you know, Sue, it might seem like it's just, you know, on the show, like funny, horrible, but like, no, she was out here like rooting for uh, Mitt Romney and, uh, uh, I can't think of the other guy's name right now. Uh, in in both of well, those, well, she's elections. like she's name dropping Mitch McConnell. It's like I know. I know him. Like, yeah. not good. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so her she she wants to respond to some of these allegations. Uh, he's going to continue on. You have claimed to have romantic involvement with a million of these uh, celebrities: uh, Stephen Baldwin, Matt Lauer, Johnny Cochran, David Boreanaz, and the drummer from Jimmy Eat World. Uh, all of those men have categorically denied this. It just begs the question, Sue: Are you a compulsive liar? I mean, you've publicly. I... Go ahead. I loved when Sue goes, I slept with all of the boys in Jimmy Eat World. Mm-hmm. She, like, throughout this entire interview, we're going to see every time that he brings up a claim, a claim, a claim, what did I, I said claim, didn't I? Uh, a claim, Sue kind of like counters it with like another lie all the I way know. through. It's and that's like the genius of this character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she, yeah, uh, she, she claims that she you, slept wait, with all of them. Do you know what Jimmy Eat World looks like? Do you know what they look like? I don't think so. No. I know their music. I, I pull them up right now because I want to hear your reaction to to Sue sleeping with the, all of these people. Okay, Jimmy World, um, very white. Um, oh yes, the one of them like standing awkwardly in the desert. Yeah, is, that's like, what I'm looking at right now. Thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, they look like the Impractical Jokers guys. Just white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, that's my take on this picture that I'm looking at here. Uh, I'm crying at this one. I I don't know if it's the same one, but 
they're just standing awkwardly like in the desert we've we've got some button-up short sleeves a t-shirt like just like some real greasy hair it's bringing me so much joy to know that sue slept with all of them or at least in her head she did like why isn't she aiming higher than this like jimmy at world is a great band and they have a lot of songs that i really really love Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't be like oh yeah i would be so proud of sleeping with these men (laughs) i mean different different folks different strokes i guess (laughs) Um, but yeah, he's going to say, this begs the question, Sue, are you a compulsive liar? I mean, you've publicly and repeatedly claimed, for example, that the singer Michael Bolton is the father of your child. She says, well, that is absolutely true. Uh, he says, our producers have found out otherwise. Take a look. And we get a video clip of Michael Bolton. Uh, he's finally made his way to Glee. And he tells us, I've never met Sue Sylvester or heard of this Thunderbolt in 69. I only heard about her when my lawyers informed me that she has been going around saying that I bought her an island where we had a three year long torrid affair and I was the father of her child. Honestly, I think this woman has some sort of mental illness. So who the hell is the father of her child then? Because we've been led to believe it was Michael Bolton for the past three seasons. Who I mean, the hell I'm was- assuming she just got like a sperm donor. That would be that would say that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, but then Britney was able to come up with all of these reasons as to why it was actually Michael Bolton. So I thought that, like, when Britney said that, it was like, oh, so it actually is Michael Bolton. But now it's not. That's what they wanted us to think. Damn. I wonder if, like, Michael Bolton, like, like seriously, like, knew of what was going on on this show. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, they'd been using his name for all of this time. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he did know. I'm sure that, like, you know, it was mentioned to him or uh, I don't know if it got, like, cleared by his uh, his people or whatever it may be. But, yeah, so season six, uh, the Sue Sylvester episode of episodes, uh, he's here. So he, uh, Geraldo asks, Sue, how do you want to respond to this? She says, fine, I'll admit that I can't prove Michael Bolton is the father of my child. Uh, he says, all right, well, let's hear from another of Sue's alleged lovers to find out what he has to say. And we're going to cut over to the new station where we see Rod Remington, who is like, yeah, I don't blame Sue for falling head over heels for me. I mean, she's got eyes. Uh, she mistook a little grab ass in a condo for true love. Uh, we see Andrea, of <laughs> course, Rod's wife and co-anchor, uh, who says that bitch is crazy. She had me kidnapped. And then she signed me up for all these dating sites. Farmersonly.com, blackpeoplemeet.com. Uh, and the only thing that she put in my profile was that my boobs were like giant elephant ears. So, Sue, it just it just makes me wonder, are you okay? Do you have a history of profound mental illness? And he says, what I have she says, what I have a history of, Geraldo, is devoting my entire life to the students of McKinley High. And she's gonna keep on telling stories. I mean, I could go into all of them, but she's just gonna continue rambling about how she was recruited by by every one of Wall Street's top investment banks. And uh, this company wanted her to be the COO, and then she got uh, all of this. She just it doesn't stop. When the the like co-anchor is like, she had me kidnapped. I laughed so hard. <laughs> like this whole stretch of the episode, like they could have done a full 40 minutes of just this interview yeah, and I good. still would have thought it was a good episode. Like I was cracking up the whole time. They She's got did. a talent, man. She has got a talent for uh for coming up with shit on the spot. It's insane. It's Truly unbelievable the way that she just 
counters every single like allegation towards her uh with just well i'll have you know that uh <laughs> that i did this and i did that uh and oh this 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 great person uh can back me up here and then it's like here's a video clip of this person saying that's not true she's like well actually it's crazy it's good stuff um but he uh, she's like yeah i just want you to know that i chose a career filled with service and sacrifice in order to nurture and enrich the delicate minds of america's children since day one they have always been and will continue to be my number one priority. Uh, he's like, a lot of these things seem like lies to me. And uh, to get to the bottom of it, we actually talked to some students that go to McKinley High School. They tell a very different story. And we're going to now cut over to see some of the Glee kids who were being interviewed in the choir room. Artie, Mercedes, Kurt, Blaine, Rachel, and I'll let him on take the final one. Joe, I literally rewinded it. I was so happy to see him. I'm kind of pissed that they only gave him like two lines, but I... I like was like <gasps> I literally gasped. I forgot all about this little cameo. She cut off my dreadlocks. He said, "Yeah, um, she cut them off. She's so horrible. Fuck you." But Kate, but also Joe looks like so much more attractive with short hair. Yeah, I was, I could get into it. I could get into it. Yeah, like he looks a lot less like one of the like aliens from Avatar or whatever. <laughs> I agree. But they're all uh, all the kids that are, uh, you know, on tape here are telling them about what Suey's done to them. Slash the tires on Artie's wheelchair, swapped out Mercedes's weave glue with mayonnaise. Um, Kurt says about the hurt, uh, not the hurt locker, the elevator. He tells that story. Blaine talks about the bear that ended up in his apartment. Rachel tells the story of when she came to New York and had sex all over the apartment after, you know, walking out on Funny Girl. Um, so Geraldo's like, so why does she hate the Glee Club so much? Do you have any explanation? Uh, Artie says, well, she's had it out for us from the beginning. You know, before we were around, the Cheerios were the stars to the school then we showed up and she's never forgiven us for stealing her thunder At, by the time that this video is done playing sue has had enough she says this is an outrage this is slander these are lies orchestrated by one will schuster uh and he says actually this may come as a surprise to you will but it was not will schuster who tipped us off it was somebody else it was becky jackson <gasps> Ooh. Like and well, and that's the thing is like when Becky was so upset about the Dalton situation, Sue should have known you can't cross Becky because she knows where all of the bodies are buried. And she's learned mm -hmm. from the best. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> you created a monster. It's unreal. The fact that they, uh, <laughs> the fact that Sue let this happen, yeah, I agree with everything that Kirsten you just said. Uh, should should not have let her walk off that angry. She already tweets about all of Sue's business every other day. Uh, everything that Sue doesn't want out there, Becky's tweeting about. But whatever. So we cut over to uh, see Becky and uh, her video here. Who is Becky Jackson? America's dying to know. Well, I can tell you who she is. She's a poet, a lover, and a dreamer. I know that because Becky Jackson is me. Daryl uh, is also in this video. Becky always told me stories about Coach Sylvester, but I thought that that's all they were, stories. I was like, wait, her secretary is an actual convict? She pushes kids down the stairs? And Becky uh, cuts in and says, yeah, yeah, she was my best friend. I supported anything she did. But when Dalton Academy burned down and she refused to let Gay Blaine and the Warblers join the Glee Club, I knew it was time to blow the whistle. I am so much happier that I'm free from Sue, and I've got a hot boyfriend who takes me there every time. And oh all those God. Cheerios, 
And all those Cheerios out there, quit being such basic bitches. Don't let Sue Sylvester control you. You deserve better. And uh, after this video, Geraldo's going to say, we'll be right back. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, yeah, Amon, thoughts on Becky's Be Becky's entire <laughs> video here. Takes her there all the time. Okay, Becky. I mean, I feel like we didn't need to know all that, but okay. You, you um, don't think we needed the update on, uh, on all that after that was such a, a storyline in episode three? Hey, if you have a man who takes you there every time, scream it from the rooftops, okay? <laughs> I mean, I I still kind of wish that there was more to this story here other than uh, the Warblers not being allowed at McKinley to be the last straw. Like, I feel like I'm missing a really personal connection. Like, maybe if, like, Becky had a friend in the Warblers or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. Um... But damn, this what she was the silver dagger here. Like she, she got her. Um, she got her, and she uh, just wanted Sue to, to. I think it was. Is it probably? I think I agree with Sue. It probably was Daryl. Like I feel like Daryl like was like that bitch is crazy. Like I can't believe that you you like did all this stuff for her. Like she's insane. You need to stand yeah. up for yourself. And so now she is. Kirsten, you watched Thirteen Reasons Why, right? Um, I watched. All of season one, and then I stopped watching season two during the finale and the like horrible scene, and then mm. never watched any more of it okay. again. Well, you at least know Bryce Walker here on Glee, and I'm calling him by his character name rather than his actor name. His actor name, his real name. <laughs> his actor name. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, so uh, glad to see him back considering how much we stand him back in episode three uh, for being the best possible boyfriend that Becky uh, could ever get uh, and really does not deserve. But um, she's working her way towards uh, proving herself to the audience by turning in Sue here. It's, it's a lot going on here. It's a lot. Tell me why I didn't recognize him from 13 Reasons Why. I don't know. Couple like, you different. just told me that for the first time. Well, that's what we do here. Wow. I mean, I don't I watch can't. the show, so I didn't. I was never going to know that. Well, yeah. and he's like, he, well, I, not to spoil 13 Reasons Why, but he's not a good character. No. Oh, well, then screw him. A bad guy on there. Certainly a bad guy. Um, so that's that. Becky is uh, responsible there. We cut over to the commercial break, or do we? Uh, Sue is mm. going to say to Geraldo to get out of her face. He apologizes that this isn't how uh, going how you know she intended for it to go. She's like, yeah, the foundations of my entire life have been destroyed. She also is going to ask, the cameras are off, right? And he assures her that, yes, they're on a commercial break. And she's going to confide in him, or at least uh, you know just express out loud, all I've ever wanted was to be a champion and to inspire others to be champions. That's why I chose a career in cheerleading. Just wanted to succeed by watching my girl succeed. It's a tough world out there. I wanted them to be tougher and smarter. And I wish you had interviewed some of my more successful Cheerios, like Quinn Fabray, currently enrolled at Yale, Brittany S. Pierce, math prodigy uh, MIT, or Santana Lopez, who was a Broadway understudy and now could have a very promising career as a high-class prostitute. Oh, you're doing so well, Sue. Um, and uh, he's like, we actually did reach out to them. All three declined to comment. And Sue looks around and realizes... The cameras are still fucking rolling here. Like, and he admits to her, uh, yeah, I lied. We didn't go to commercial. The camera's been rolling the whole time. Damn. She's annoyed, but whatever. Uh, she's like classy. Very, very classy. You know what this is? This is a character assassination. This interview is a hack job, uh, worthy, uh, unworthy of the name Fox News, a global brand known worldwide for being fair and balanced. Uh, and mm. it's... <laughs> 
And it's untrustworthy of you, my friend. I agree to sit down with you because you're a titan of American television, known for weird shirtless selfies, getting chaired in the face by a white supremacist, and not finding anything whatsoever in Al Capone's vault. When I took the reins at McKinley High, it was a cesspool of hate, and it was my vigilance and tough love that turned that place into a no-bully zone where the most vulnerable, where the most vulnerable were protective. We have one more interview here. Actually, I think we still have a couple. This this goes on for a while. Uh, the next interview is with somebody who agrees with your assessment. Uh, but choose to uh, chooses to protect their identity, so their voice has been altered. And uh, Aman, who's who's up next here, and who's uh, and what do they have to say? Coach Beast is delivering this next message. He is in support of Sue. Uh, he testifies about how he or she was so kind um, and helped him out of a bad situation during uh, that marriage, and also. Uh, when he was when he transitioned, he was able to come back to a really welcoming environment, and so he's actually going to bat for Sue here. Um, and he doesn't want to be; they don't want to hide. Like I don't know why they make him hide his appearance, but he asked for them to turn the lights on. So like he he is loud and proud, Team Sue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Coach Beast is is giving a positive spin on uh, what's going on with Sue. I mean, yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, Sue has been good to Coach Beast for a while lately, so not surprising to see that. Um, and Sue's like, yeah, I am as I am, Geraldo, and I refuse to apologize to you or anybody else. Am I a tough customer? You bet your bottom dollar. That's the way I was raised. And you may or may not know, but my parents were Nazi hunters. And the lies continue as we cut over to now see. Doris Sylvester, who we have not seen since I believe season two, uh, is back here. Of course, Carol Burnett is here uh, back in this role, who is going to tell us, Kirsten, that they were not Nazi hunters after all. They just didn't want to spend time with her because she's a biter. (laughs) And she bit her on her way out of the womb. I mean, what kind of newborn has a full set of teeth? She wants to know. Like, can you literally? Can you imagine though, if babies had all of their teeth right from the start? I mean, like how silly that would look. Let's find Sue's baby pictures because that was the case here. But uh, Sue's mom is going to say, you know, what can I say? From the minutes I laid eyes on her, I knew that Susan would always be the daughter that I just couldn't love. And Geraldo takes that comment and repeats it to her. Like twice. The daughter I just couldn't love. That must be hard to hear. The daughter I just couldn't love. That's just horrible. Like, I don't feel like you need to tell America that. That's a you and Sue problem. That That's actually your problem. Like, you got an issue, my friend. And the fact that she said that all that with her chest about her daughter on national television, like, fuck her. Like, I don't care how horrible Sue has been. I don't give a damn. Like, you don't say no shit like that on TV. That kind of pissed me off. And you know who else is pissed off? Sue Sylvester, because Aman, what does Sue react? What does Sue do in reaction to that comment repeated back to her two full times? She stands up, <laughs> winds up, clean across the face. <laughs> She's got a mean right, man. Knocked in the face from Sue Sylvester. He is bleeding everywhere. Uh, he is uh, on the ground and he seems okay. I mean, look at him. Like, he seems okay. But uh, Sue is going to get up and head out after he just completely punches this guy across the face. He deserved to be punched across the face. I mean, I I feel like a lot of people have probably thought about punching Geraldo Rivera across the face. Yeah. I mean, this was a fine moment. We didn't, you know. It was it was good. They they can uh, do this kind of stuff anytime they have 
bad people on the show. But anyway. Violence isn't the answer, but. But, but, yeah. So he pulls himself together after the big punch. Uh, He's got some tissues to stop the bleeding. So who is Sue Sylvester? Really, is she a lying, vindictive psychopath? Is she a career criminal who has endangered the lives of countless children and actually deserves to be behind bars? For the final word, let's go to one of Sue's co-workers and uh, show choir director William Schuster. Until next time, I'm Geraldo Rivera reporting. And we're going to cut over to uh, Will, Kirsten, as he's going to give some words on Sue, which are, I mean, this could go in either direction, but he's got nice things to say. Yeah, this was just... Weird. Like, Will Schuster's an idiot. I don't trust anything he has to say. (laughs) (laughs) If only the people knew, the audience knew. Because, like, why are you saying all this, Will? Like, just stay out of it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, he's had his problems with Sue, and Sue is a big reason why, like, the Glee Club was even as good as it was. I mean, clearly she went overboard a lot of the time, and there were a lot of methods that she just did not need to, to, to use, but... They've had, like, this, like, fucking cat and mouse relationship for six seasons now. So I feel like at some at some point in time, you sort of, like, de- 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 excuse me, develop a level of affection for even your worst enemy. So, of course, Mr. Shu is going to be forgiving as hell for, for Sue. Because he just, he's, that's why, Miss, that's part of the reason that Sue hates him so much. It's just, like, I can do all of this shit to you. And you're, st- you're weak, William. You're weak. <laughs> Like, now listen here, you curly-haired fuck. Like, go away forever, please. I just hate Will Schuster. Yeah, so he's essentially standing up for her and saying, you know, she's not a nice person, but she's an outstanding teacher, a born leader, and this school is a worse place without her. She deserves a second chance, and that's exactly what I told the superintendent. Um, Going to bat for you, Sue. So that's that. Sue, the next day, I guess we can assume, is in the auditorium. I mean, she was fired. I don't know why she's at the school, but it's fine. Uh, She has the band performing, like, some very dramatic music so that she's, like, setting the mood here, essentially, as she's laying, uh, you know, head down on the piano. Uh, In walks Doris Sylvester. Uh, Sue is going to tell the band they can stop. She greets her mom. Hello, mother. Hello, Susan. Thank you for agreeing to meet me. I know this must be difficult for you. Sue's like, difficult doesn't even begin to describe it, mother. You've been just uh, been lying to me for all these years. And Doris is like, does it really matter that uh, your father and I were working in the accounts receivable department at Ma Bell when you thought we were out chasing Nazis? Uh, She's like, not that lie. You never even loved me. And she says, no, technically, that's not a lie because I never really told you that I did love you. Sue says, you know, I would uh, it would be easy to be angry at you. Uh, but she's been spending the weekend at some Oprah convention to learn that relationships are a two-way street, and I wasn't the easiest kid. I get that. I mean, uh, my earliest memories of me, uh, are, my earliest memories are uh, trying to light you on fire. So you know, I wanted to apologize for that, and the biting, and the booby traps, and all of that stuff. That you know, oops, didn't mean to do that. But her mom is like, no, we really did love you. We just had an odd way of showing it. That's all. We never got the hang of that parenting thing. Always wanted to do what I wanted to do, but you wouldn't have anything to do with it. And uh, Sue's going to apologize. They were talking about like how much Sue hates musicals. She's like, it's torture for me. Uh, how do people just burst into song? How does everybody just magically know all the lyrics? Uh, mom, I'm sorry. And Doris says, don't apologize. I'm the one who should be saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was never the mother I should have been. I'm sorry I lied to you. I'm sorry I missed out on your whole life. It's okay to be angry, sweetheart. You're going to be angry for quite a while. I just hope that someday you and I can sit down, have a cup of coffee or something, if not as mother and daughter, then just as friends. Sue says, yes, I would like that. And as her mom starts to walk away, she pulls her back in and she has a question for her. Were you and dad ever in love? And Doris says, of course we were. Uh, We fell in love when we first met on a trolley. 
and you would like to sing about it, wouldn't you? Dora says, yes. And Sue says, then I will sing with you. She's like, well, you hate musicals. She's like, but I do love the sound of my own voice. So, Aman, we're going to go into this performance of uh, Sue Sylvester and Doris uh, Sylvester singing the trolley song. There was just, there was a lot in this scene. You know what I mean? I feel like there was so much exposition about Sue's early life that and it doesn't really go anywhere for it to culminate in this uh, trolley song. I'm like, what the hell? Like we, So it turns out that they actually weren't Nazi hunters and they were lying to her the whole time. And Sue actually was like a horrible, horrible child and all of this stuff and it's like because they've been feeding us this narrative that like she's been you know i mean sue was tough and everything but we were led to believe that yeah her parents were neglectful and she had to take all of this extra time to make sure that her sister wasn't getting bullied and all it's like a lot of stuff to accept about sue that i feel like i don't want to i feel like it's i don't know i, I was so much more comfortable with the narrative that their parents were neglectful. And I guess they still end up, I guess that part is still true. They just weren't Nazi hunters. I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of demonizing of Sue as, like, and I'm fine with demonizing for her, her for her current actions, but also to like hear that she actually wasn't that great of a child either. It was like, damn, like, well, she's still a child. Like, you teach her to be better. I don't know. It just kind of felt, I don't know. Like this this kind of went down wrong for me. Um, but I do love the song. There's this, uh, there's this, um, there's this uh, gay club at um, in Philly that I, go to and on Sundays they uh well I haven't been going there now don't nobody come for me I haven't been there in like six months um but they play uh they show tunes on Sundays and they like blow up like um this big ass screen on like the dance floor and they'll play like music videos from Disney movies and Glee and all this stuff and this song is always on the playlist and I'm always like yeah getting my groove onto this old ass Broadway standard yeah i feel like in this moment they're really making it like sue was bad from birth she could have never been redeemed yeah her family wanted to be away from her and it's like i know that there is discussion over like nature versus nurture and what you think but i feel like uh neglecting your child because you think they're evil isn't helping the situation Mm -hmm. right like mm, not the move but the song uh was very nice um, I'm glad you guys liked it. I like it. I wouldn't say it like spoiler alert. It's not my favorite song, yeah. but like it was still like a good cover. Well, I'm a I'm a Broadway bitch, so I'm always gonna fall for that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, so <laughs> that's why it just it uh, passes right by me. I uh, you know can take a little phone break while I'm watching that one, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, like you said, Amon, a lot to unpack there. Uh, we we've been tracking. Uh, Sue and just how she is day to day, but every once in a while, every couple of seasons, we get insight onto her early life. I'm thinking all the way back to season two with the funeral when uh, Doris came by uh, and, you know, Sue was like, I I didn't even want to tell her anything because she doesn't care about us. She never cared about us at all. It was, uh, you know, she decided to not be a part of our lives. And, you know, we already knew about this relationship and any Glee fans that are, you know, watching the show all the way through and remember the details of all that to watch it here and to see the continued way that that's all playing out. And just as this episode goes on, we're getting more of a full picture of like filling in all the gaps that we didn't even realize were there in Sue's story along the way. Um, it's, it's definitely worthwhile, uh, you know, for a character they've invested so much in throughout their time uh, with this show. So yeah, a lot of Sue content here uh, to say the least. So that's that. 
let's take a break from Sue. <laughs> it's been like an hour of Sue talk. <laughs> uh, over in the teacher's lounge, Blaine, Rachel, Mercedes, and Sam are talking about how uh, things went over at Niata. So Carmen Thibodeau actually told you to get out of her office. Rachel's like, you're missing the point. Okay, Blaine. Uh, she said that uh, she could see that I was humble, that I was sorry, which means that I can't give up. There's still a chance. Rachel, uh, Mercedes says, I think you're reading too much into this. Sam's like, yeah, anyone named Madame Thibodeau doesn't really seem like a woman who would change her mind uh, or stay in human form for too long. I always thought Niata was a school for witches. Uh, Blaine's like, yeah, uh, Sam, what I think Sam is trying to say is that you're reaching a little bit. I think if you I mean, if you remember, I got kicked out of Niata too. Carmen cut me herself. Sam's like with a knife because she wanted your blood for potions. No, Sam, because she's not a witch. Uh, Rachel's like, but look, guys, you could see it in her eyes. She was moved. Um, and for that moment, I saw myself back in Niata, back on track before my life completely derailed, which is why I'm writing her a letter. I'm going to put all of my humiliation out there, show her all of the bad reviews and the good reviews, the Glee Club reviews, and she's going to see it. She's going to give me another chance. I'm going to get back in. Mercedes is like, all right, well, we're 100% behind you getting your life back on track, but I do think you clinging on to Niata. I don't know. Rachel is eventually going to get a phone call. Uh, from who knows uh, for now, Blaine and Mercedes talking about how they don't think this is a good idea. Sam thinks they should support her going back to college, but Rachel comes back in and says that the call was from the producer of the musical that she auditioned for, you know, three episodes ago or four, but uh, at this point, uh, she totally forgot about it. I don't know how you forget about an audition that you traveled to New York for. This is Amon two times. <laughs> I know, right? In four episodes that she's in New York and she forgot that she went to New York for this audition, she's got that much on her mind. Like, yeah, that was weird. Damn. That was weird. Running a glee club is really stressful, okay? I can, I, I'm starting to see that. Um, but the point is, she got it. She got the role, and they want her to start in a few weeks. She, uh, they all congratulate her, and they're, you know, she totally forgets about Niata within that brief, uh, like 60 seconds. And she's like, You guys were right. I'm going to go be this role, and she's going to go off and tell Kurt. So, okay. Uh, let's just keep going on this crazy train, Rachel. Where are we going next? No one knows. It's all over the place. Well, she doesn't know where she wants to go, really. Like, she used to be so focused, and she had a goal that she was working towards, and she still has kind of, like, the same goal. But she's just so shaken now that it's like, well, I guess I'll go do this role. Oh, I guess I'll try and go back to college. Oh, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's just all over the place. Yeah, I was kind of shocked that some of her friends were so... Like, you know, they were so down on uh, her going back because what else do you want her to do? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 well, I guess it's pros and cons to both. I don't know what I would do in a situation. Like if I got a call to actually like she got cast in another Broadway show after never thinking that she'd work on Broadway again. Or do you just go back to school and finish off your education? I don't know. I don't know. I See, I think... Sorry, I think it's more so like if she wants to go back to school, I think everyone would support that. But they're like, but you have to accept that you probably aren't going to get to go back to the school that you just like quit and totally like threw it in the face of everyone. Like, oh, I don't need to be here. Like, I feel like she should be trying to go to a different performing arts school at that point. Right. That's a good point. I'm just exhausted by tracking down where she's going up and down, left and right. Um this is it's and it's a little disappointing just the fact that this is the lead character and I mean we still have a couple episodes we're going to see how it all kind of plays out of course you know we're not going to just drop her story by any means I mean this this season is essentially 
following the stories of Rachel and Sue. Like, that's essentially season six in a nutshell. Uh, we kind of wrap a couple of other people up along the way. You know, we had the wedding. We had this and that. But, um, and, and you know, we're, we're going to get some clean resolution as well uh, throughout. The wedding already happened and then some stuff coming ahead. But it really is just Rachel and Sue's story ultimately and how are we going to finish them all out. So, uh, whatever. Um, right now it just feels a little messy to me. But is what it is. Um, Will is leading rehearsal with the very new uh, big new directions. The Warblers aren't really having a good time. Will's like, come on, guys, we're a team. We have to get on the same page. Jane's like a team. You sure about that? Half of us are wearing uniforms. Half of us aren't. Kurt's like, yeah, Jane's right. There's a major disconnect here. Uh, The Warblers are like, well, why don't you guys all grab a blazer? They're like, this is McKinley, dude. Uh, yeah, your sexist empire doesn't even exist anymore. Like, why are yes. you still wearing those jackets? I was waiting for I was waiting for Jane to give them the business, and quite frankly, I wanted I wanted more. I was like, I want I want like when they first showed up in that in that choir room, I wanted Jane to be the the first one to go off and be like, uh 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 uh. So I had to transfer schools in order for me to be in a fucking glee club but the minute they come over here because their shit got burned to the ground i'm supposed to be happy about them being here i wanted more from her but we didn't get it she was being nice i would not have been nice uh i'm trying to think like me now would not be nice like me in high school would i have been nice or would i have been even meaner because it could go either way that's a good question second time i've said it um I would have at least made them sweat. I would have like made them all. I would have been like, okay, well, you guys have to audition. Okay, I want to. I want to see just how good you guys actually are. And then I would. Can you imagine if they don't take all of them? Exactly. I I would have like kept some of them off. <laughs> I'd have been like, up, oh, sorry, club's full. No, Will's policy. Will's because maybe if Will wasn't back, maybe they could do that. But now that Will's back, it's like everybody's in. So so much for that. Um, but Skylar is like uh, our look is iconic synonymous with tradition and excellence not to mention it elevates anyone who wears it to sex symbol status myron's like oh i'll take one uh apparently women love them uh, they're telling him kitty's like do they uh kurt's like come on guys we welcomed you into our school with open arms you can't expect us to adopt to your uniforms as well rachel's like okay look guys you've had a lot of success in the past so let's just give you our uniforms to wear during the competition and skylar's like yeah red t-shirts and converse are not uniforms you have costumes not uniforms which fair fair point but will's gonna cut in and say enough guys we have to have some unity here look you guys attend mckinley now i'm really sorry but the blazers need to go and Skylar's like, well, we're grateful that you welcomed to us to your school and uh, to be performing with you, but we didn't choose to come here. You guys always talk about how important Glee Club and McKinley is to you. We felt the same way about Dalton, and then we watched it burn to the ground. These jackets are not just uniforms, they're a tribute, a last surviving artifact of a place that meant so much to us. It's all we have left. And uh, Coach Beast is going to come in and inform them that they have bigger problems than what they're wearing because she just got word, I'm sorry, he just got word that uh, Sue is the the new coach of Vocal Adrenaline. So let's get to that in a second. But just anybody have any strong takes, final thoughts about the uh, the Blazers versus not wearing the Blazers? Um, I mean, it's a very silly point of contention here. But I mean, Skylar does bring up a fair point. Like if this was McKinley, y'all would be like clinging to your something uh, slushies. I don't fucking know. Like you'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> the slushies. slushies it was okay i was cracking up because will shows them like the choreo the dalton boys get it immediately they are on point and the new directions just like a whole mess they can't do it they all looked at like it's just such a good contrast between the two groups like i thought it was really funny mm-hmm. typical new directions classic new directions a whole mess 
I feel like I can understand like the the need to compromise some like to make some compromise on the outfits. But honestly, if you guys want to go ahead and wear the blazers while you're walking around school, fine. But like if the Glee Club, if the new directions are telling you that they don't want to wear that stuff, then I feel like that should just be the end of end of conversation because these you're not the warblers. They're not the warblers, and so why should we have to assimilate? to accommodate you guys if you guys want to be a part of the new directions then be a part of the new directions no one's telling you you have to like never wear your blazers again you just can't wear them while you're performing because that's just not our look that's just how i feel mm-hmm. about it yeah no it's uh like i said quite a, a silly controversy here but i guess like i said it's kind of important to uh at least the warblers and yeah they're trying to gel as a group but it's not working out super well. Um, and they have bigger problems, like Coach B said, because over at Vocal Adrenaline, we're going to see Sue Sylvester has got herself a new job as the coach of the Vocal Adrenaline kids. Uh, the position was vacant, I guess, ever since Will left. Uh, Clint is going to be like, yeah, you got fired from your old job. And despite hating show choir and never having coached it before, you're going to be our new coach. Uh, Sue says, correction, I may be your new coach. If I deem you worthy of crushing the new directions, win a national championship, you will be guaranteed under my tutelage. Uh, The girl's like, "Uh, and how exactly do we prove that we're worthy? Sue says, well, by surviving the Barftron 200. It is a single consecutive five-hour workout routine designed to invoke maximum nausea, 200 box jumps, 200 pull-ups, 200 burpees, 200 wall jumps, 200 double-unders, 200 consecutive run-throughs of Frank Stallone's Far From Under, uh, far, sorry, where did I get that? Far From Over, uh, made famous by John Travolta's triumphant performance in Staying Alive, the best sequel of all time, she says. So we're going to cut into this performance of Vocal Adrenaline, I guess, on their first of 200 runs of far from over of course led by clint because that's who runs these numbers and uh the whole time i'm on we get a lot of sue yelling at them sloppy babies you think this is hard try taking down a gazelle with your bare hands that's hard see me darling Oof. clint kills this number yo he's so he sounds so good on this number i love this song i was getting like pumped up watching this song. i was like damn yeah i was like Shit, maybe I want to be on vocal adrenaline. Like this is this looks really fun. <laughs> um, I love it. It looks number. really fun. <laughs> A little bit. I'm sorry. The minute Sue said 200 burpees, I was out. <laughs> I thought you wanted your friends to motivate you to work harder. Like. That's a lot of burpees. Like the la- when I was going to boot camp in Calgary, we would do like a minute of burpees, and you try to do as many as you can, and it's like. The concept of doing 200 burpees makes me want to throw up and die. (laughs) Burpees are hell. They really are. Like, they suck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, this is a good performance. There's a reason that they're keeping Clint around, of course, uh, for as far as they can to get the uh, maximum number of vocal adrenaline numbers in. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put him on the new directions. This guy already looks like he's 50 years old. Uh, so... Not quite Damn. there. I feel, I feel like you age him each and every t- like each and every time we talk about Clint, that age just goes higher and higher. First like, it was honestly, thirty, like, I mean, then I'm it was not, forty, now it's fifty. I'm not saying anything like bad about him. Like obviously he's an attractive man. It's just like he's a man. He's a man. He's not a he's not a high school boy. <laughs> Sorry, like he's just he, he, like I said, he takes my award for uh, the most hard to believe high school student of anybody that we've seen as a high school student so far on this show. That's that. At least. At least we know that vocal adrenaline will keep people back. Yeah, that's them. that's so true. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesse or was it Jesse? No, not Jesse. No, it was because remember those there was it was like a server at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, 
Like, oh, yeah, I know I'm 22. <laughs> yeah, Will was like, oh, I, I used to have you in my in my class. He's like, yeah, then I went to Vocal Adrenaline. They kept me back for year after year because I was the only one who could, like, hit a high note or something like that or do some kind of flips or something. And Will was like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, That's why he's like, oh, I'm going to bring in April. Right, right. Um, season one things. <laughs> season one. Uh, what a time. Uh, Sue is yelling at them. Uh, hey ladies, good luck with menopause. If this is how you are at the peak of your physicality, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Dang. I need someone to text me that every day. (laughs) These kids are just all on the stage with the workout equipment, pushing themselves to their absolute limits. Um, and we also see cut in throughout this. Sue is back at her hurt locker and she is, uh, burning a lot of things, not everything, but she is burning a lot of things that she doesn't, you know, doesn't need there anymore. Uh, but what is she like? What is she saving? Uh, this one voodoo doll that she saves is like, is it her or is it Becky? Like, I couldn't quite tell I think who it's this was. Because it has a tracksuit on. Yeah, I thought it was her. That would make sense. So, because at first I thought she was going to burn it. And I was like, wait, what happens when you burn a voodoo doll of your own self? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would kind of represent what's been going on for her in this episode, but maybe she's trying yeah, to. Yeah, maybe avoid. it was like the symbolism of it all. It's like she was like sort of like purging herself of all of the the fuckery in that hurt locker and she decided to get rid of that voodoo doll too but then it was like no like i don't want to give up entirely on myself so Mm -hmm. she pulls herself out of the fire yeah so uh at the end of this number clint is uh impressed with sue's uh coaching abilities he says i think i speak for all of vocal adrenaline when i say we'd be honored to have you as our coach and they shake hands and look deeply into each other's souls uh they understand each other these two super villains here so Sue is uh, all in on the vocal adrenaline kids. That's her new job here. Uh, Back at McKinley, Rachel and Sam are trying to pick out outfits, and Sam Evans is going to put on a Dalton blazer. Uh, I am just beaming with excitement every time that we get a new character in either a Cheerios uniform or a blazer. Like that's so it's like such a funny picture. I love it. Um, But Sam is here to talk about something more serious. He tells her that he thinks that she's making a mistake. She's like, with a jacket? It's just a jacket. Look, we have to commit and tell our kids that this is what we're doing, okay? The warbler school bird down. We have to give them a little bit of comfort. It's the least we could do. Sam's like, no, I mean about taking the part in New York. What about Niata? Rachel says Mercedes was right. It's pathetic, and worse than that, it's desperate to cling to the idea of getting back there. Uh, Sam's like, no, it's not pathetic. But Rachel's going to get another phone call from Carmen Thibodeau. And by golly, she is back at Niata. As, you know, if she wants to be. The offer is there. So... Uh, I find this hard to believe, but I'll just keep talking about it and maybe get to that after. You know, she she fucking quit the school. She yelled in Carmen Thibodeau's face, called her a loser, essentially. She's like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. And now Carmen's letting her back into the school. Carmen, you don't need Rachel Berry at your school. Okay, mm-hmm. off my chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, while she's on the phone, do uh, you see Sam, like, popping his chest out, pretending to be a warbler? It's like, definitely imagining himself, like, on stage with Blaine. Like, yeah, you make me. Nope, just me. Um, But Sam's living his best life over there in that blazer. Uh, I'm telling you. I'm on. I'm sure you're watching it. Um, Sam tells her that that's amazing, though, and he congratulates her. Rachel's like, yeah, but I'm not going back there. Um, She's like, I just want to go to New York a winner, not with my tail between my legs. And Mercedes is happy for me. Kurt's happy for me. Blaine's happy for me. Why can't you be? You're the person who matters to me the most. Uh, Just be happy for me. And Sam's like, I'm telling you the truth, not just what you want to hear. Rachel says, well, I was destined to be back in New York. And Sam's like, yeah, but not like this. She's like, like what? What's wrong with this? This is what I wanted. 
And Sam is going to try to calmly tell her, no, you wanted a second chance to get it right. And Carmen gave that to you. Okay. If you throw that all away again, you're going to be making the same mistakes over and over. Look, Rachel, just, just stop. And she says, it's not a mistake. Me going back to my life and who I was is not a mistake, but Sam disagrees. So anybody have any, uh, sides? Are we picking sides here between these two? Um, I think I'm team Sam. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, the more and more that I think about it, I'm like, I don't even know what I would do because, I mean, it is like another role on Broadway. It's not like this was something off-Broadway, even off-off-Broadway. This is, she landed another role. And, like, what does that say to the producer? Because I'm sure the producer knows, if this is a producer on Broadway, I'm sure that they know who Rachel Berry is because everybody witnessed her epic flame out. So what kind of message are you sending if you decide to decline the role, even though the per- this producer probably knows that this is a favor that they're doing you anyway? And then they offer you the role and you're like, mm, actually, no. It's like, girl, are you really in the position to be making, make, or turning down job opportunities after what you've done? So I, I kind of wish that she had worked that angle more with Sam. But like, I understand what Sam is saying. Like, why not go back? But I mean, it, it's Broadway, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was curious what your yeah. thoughts were going to be on it because, I mean, just as somebody, as you mentioned, have followed the uh, journey of Rachel and kind of maybe seen it at your own, as your own at one at points or another. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I get what she's saying. I just, I mean, going to school isn't going to land you Broadway auditions. It's just not going to like, and I know that that like sounds kind of harsh, but like there are plenty of people that go to performing arts colleges and then they don't actually end up in performing arts or not in the capacity that they want to because you know it's a limited it's it's competitive industry so yeah there i mean there's a there's a there's some networking that can certainly occur you know you're you're in the city still you're probably going to have access to a lot of you know, a lot of different kinds of people so it can definitely lead to it but i mean she already got it and she got it again so like i can understand why this is such a struggle yeah i think maybe it comes down to like Obviously, Rachel is going to get Broadway auditions in her life, and that's just part of who she is, I guess. And so maybe the decision would come down to, like, how big a deal is the show that she's getting cast for? Mm-hmm. I just wish she was able to have these conversations more maturely, and I, I guess that's expecting a lot from Rachel. But, I mean, it's just at this point, like, how – come on. You are, what, 20, 21 years old at this point? Like, you should be able to sit down, and when people come to you with genuine concern and they just want to talk to you and make sure that you're making the right decision for you, like, all of your friends are looking out for you. And she's like, yeah, well, five of my friends agree with my choice and they are happy for me, but you're the only one that's not. It's like, okay, but like you said, you just told him he's the one who matters the most to her. So just – Listen to hear what he has to say. Like, talk about it. Talk it out. But that's just, like, not in Rachel's uh, – like, that's just not in uh, – it's not something she knows how to do. I mean, it, that's not the case. Uh, we've seen her talk things out before. It's just frustrating to see, you know, in a, in a crazy moment like this or just a, an important moment like this uh, that she's just, like, closing the door on Sam. And I'm like, come on. We're, we're at the end here, Rachel. I want to see you've grown. I want to see that you've become better over the years. But it's just you're the same, you know – Whatever. I don't know. Disappointing, but it's fine. It is It is like a bit of a messy... I mean, th- we're towards the end, right? And so they're trying to figure out the way that they want Rachel's character to go. So this is like the last big dilemma that she's going to face before the end of the season. And yeah, it does sort of like... It does make you think, like, how much growing has she done? Like, this whole season is supposed to be about her rebirth, right? And here she is again. But like I said, it is a, it's a weird decision. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> 
Can I just say how annoying it is that Rachel's big decision is, do I go to like the best performing arts school in New York or do I go beyond Broadway? Like, like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) There's no bad option here. Like, stop acting like your life is such a struggle right now. Like, before she has these offers, sure, be upset, feel lost, be adrift. You have two good options. Whichever one you do, your life is probably going to be fine. Like, get out of here. Sam is going to go to Will in the hallway, and he says, I just think in this day and age, it's insane not to get a college education, you know? Will's like, Sam, you're not in college. Sam's like, yeah, I know, but I don't want Rachel to to make the same mistakes that I, you know? Uh, He's like, Rachel is a big girl. It's fine, Sam. Uh, And the two of them hear from the auditorium uh, lots of loud noises, and they head over there. And let me tell you. They head over there, and of course, they see Sue at a. Uh, this is an organ, right? A giant organ here. Yeah. Uh, and Sue is uh, going at it here. Sam is going to run out. He's like, "Yeah, this looks intense." Uh, Sue <laughs> says that she is making a statement. You've crossed me for the last time, William Schuster. Will's like, "Do you know how many times you've said that?" She's like, "And it still feels good." You've betrayed me, and I'm taking it upon myself to destroy the Glee Club once and for all. And I know I've said that before, too. He's like, betray you? Everybody else betrayed you, Sue. There were two people that Geraldo interviewed that stood up for you, and I was one of them. Okay? Uh, And eventually, Brad's going to come out. And uh, uh, Will seems surprised to see Brad here. But Sue is going to approach Will, seemingly challenging her uh, here. uh, Him, sorry, challenging him here. And Will... Is like, I oh, don't even think for a second you can out Europe me, Sue. I saw them play live at the Franklin County Fair in 1993, but we are in fact going to see the challenge accepted as Will and Sue go into this performance here, Kirsten, of the final countdown. It's the final countdown. <laughs> uh, I love this song so much. Like, um, I used to, I don't know if. We used to play this game on my, like, PlayStation 2. It was, like, a karaoke game called SingStar. And we had SingStar 80s. And the final countdown was on it. And we used to rock out to this song in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's an incredible incredible karaoke song incredible just performance. It's so much fun. Every part of it is just incredible. It's it worked so well in this spot, right? Like, I mean, we're we're in the final countdown of the show. Um, anybody get the joke there? Ha 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 ha! Yeah, and I just I just love that they go into the dream sequence, and then the rest of the kids get to see the fact that it's a dream sequence because we've never actually. I mean, the show has addressed the fact that it can be outlandish when whenever the music comes in, but we've never actually gotten to see what it actually looks like. So I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, for those watching it. Uh, yeah, the two of them are in their best, you know, rock star outfits. Uh, the hair. Oh, man, that hair on both of them. They have got a lot of uh, 
a, a bit a, a big a bit of a look here uh going they are in each other's faces it's a very intense showdown between the two as they uh go to battle with the final countdown yeah rachel and kurt are watching uh these two uh, are going crazy they're like we can't let that happen to us um but of course yeah none of it's really happening we do see like you you guys said a brief bit of them uh running around just like crazy people on the stage uh the new directions all the warblers everybody has gathered around to watch like there are a lot of people back there and uh by the time the song ends they are all they're both out of breath uh disheveled will looks up at his, as his shirt is like untucked um and kurt gives them like a very strange look rachel smirks she's like huh, huh, you just let us watch that okay um so yeah uh fun song there uh blaine is gonna later be like yeah that was weird to see uh you and sue do a fan a fantasy air guitar battle weird and borderline psychopathic Will's like, I'm, I'm so sorry you guys had to see that, but we're going to beat Sue. As if all of y'all haven't been in your own dream sequences. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel is like, yeah, well, Sue is the least of our worries anyway. I just got cornered by Myron, uh, who is informing Rachel uh, that apparently if the Glee Club does not do well at sectionals, stop me if you've heard this story before, then the arts are gone. The Glee Club is gone. Blah, 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 blah. Music and But it's the arts, arts everywhere. Not just, not just Emma McKinley. Well, that sucks. I just don't They're understand like this. Did we need these stakes like this? Like, I felt like, I felt like. One more time I, for old time's sake. I know, but this really just took the air out of the episode for me. I was like, really? Like, do we really need this one more time? This is like the big, big bad again. Like, I feel like the Glee, the Glee Club would all, it would just leave, it would end organically. You don't even have to mention that. Like, Rachel is obviously going to be leaving. She's not going to be able to provide the funds for it forever. She's not rich. I just thought that it was just a natural assumption that if they lost, then Sue, well, she's not the principal anymore. So I guess they needed, oh, I guess that makes sense. Because without Sue being there to deter them, right. then what's going to deter them? I don't know. It still just seems like way outlandish to me. One, yeah, like the stakes are really dumb and bad, but I thought it was really funny how it'd be like um, Myron telling the group and then someone in the group goes, but Rachel's paying for the Glee Club. And then Myron's like, that's what I told him. And then it flashes back to Myron talking to the superintendent being like, but Rachel's financing the Glee Club. Like, I really liked how that was put together. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. And he like freaks out on him. He's like. Uh, cause, cause the uh, superintendent Harris is like, no, well, yeah, I get that, but this goes beyond what she can afford. And, you know, it's about the allocation of faculties and resources. I mean, that choir room has to go back to being a computer lab or another classroom. And Myron is like, <laughs> freaking out on his uncle. So that's, uh, the stakes that we have here. Rachel's like, I can't believe this after all that we've been through. And Will's like, yeah, it could be worse. We've survived far more difficult things, uh, not just in the Glee club in life and Kurt and his, uh, lame ass and his optimism and he's annoying as hell here you know what screw it we've had to fight for everything we've earned in our lives and this is just the beginning of a new fight and then will being just the same i, I they're both annoying me here uh i'm so proud of you all like how many times are we gonna have this conversation on this season like it's literally like once an episode i'm so proud of you and everything you've accomplished i'm so proud of you and all the great work that you're doing here i'm sick of it i <laughs> like say it say it like once <laughs> i don't know it's just too much for me um but rachel is uh like 
because uh, they're all talking about we're not going to give up. We never have. We never will. Rachel says, well, if we could only agree on costumes to wear for the most important competition of our lives, Blaine's like, that might be one problem that we actually have fixed. Uh, we're going to go over to the auditorium and we're going to get to the final number of the episode. The New Directions, of course, uh, I, I keep wanting to say the New Directions and the Warblers, but now they're all just the New Directions. Uh, they are going to be a, doing a cover of Rise. And during this performance, everybody is going to get their new red McKinley Blazers hot off the rack. Blaine comes down in the middle of the song and he and Kitty distribute them to everybody out there and they all help each other put them on and they do this whole performance with uh, their new uniforms on and uh, I like I like this one. It's a it's a fun little number as everybody is finally united on the same uh, same page here but what do you think, Amon? Yeah, uh, this is, is this an original song? Uh, this is, yes, this is an original song which I believe was co-written by Darren Chris. I don't know why I said like Darren. Interesting. Darren Darren. 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 You gonna write us a song, Darren? I'm looking it up. Um, yeah, it says original artist Glee slash Darren Chris. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like the song. Uh, I like the performance. They compromised. They put uh, some blazers on, but they made them McKinley high colors. Yeah, I mean... Sure. Warblers are now officially a part of the new directions and they now more ha- they have more than 12 people in the Glee Club. Uh, we haven't seen the Glee Club this large since like season three. So this is uh, quite the treat. So cool. I, um, I think that this is this is obviously, you know, the they have finally like convened and they are heading into sectionals with a good spirit. So I'm excited for them. Yay. New directions. Okay. No, so at the start of this podcast, it said that one part of this episode brought up some emotion for me. And tell me why when they rolled out that <laughs> rack of red blazers, I almost started to cry. Like I and I don't even know why. Like I haven't been doing a rewatch. I don't really have any stakes in this. I was just watching the episode. But my God, when the blazers came out, I was like, I'm feeling something right now. Like if I were any more human than I am, I would be weeping. Mm-hmm. Like Oh, I've been there. I, I it, it didn't get me, me this time, but it, I've I've totally been there before. It's just like that feeling of camaraderie as all of these young kids that are just trying to get their sectionals win, uh, and they're all passing out the blazers, and they like become a team. It's like that, that just that symbolic moment of them all becoming this team ready to go into battle against Sue. I feel it. I can I can get it. And I do also think part of it. Um, like when they all walk out with just like the shirts and ties on, I thought that that combination of shirt and tie looked so bad. Like I really was like, what is this tie? It doesn't work. And then magically the blazer's on and I was like, oh, okay, now I see it. So that was also part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the most comfortable costume or outfit to be, you know, all of or all around the stage in. I mean, the, the Warblers do a lot of like cool tricks and whatnot in these outfits, you know, in years past. So I guess it's doable, but I just feel like, you know, the new directions generally have like, they look good and they look like they can move. I don't know, whatever, but I don't know. I don't know, but that's that. So that's essentially the episode here. Uh, Let's move into, of course, what we've got to uh, take care of next. And we'll, uh, I'm sure get some more thoughts out along the way, but Aman, what are the songs that we have to choose from as we begin to pick our favorite? We have Rather Be, The New Direction, The Trolley Song, Doris and Sue, Far From Over, Clint and Vocal Adrenaline, 
The final countdown, Sue and Will rise. Newly formed new directions with the Warblers. All right. Kirsten, you are up first. Hey, last time we uh, got to this portion of the podcast, Akiva jumped in. No Akiva today. Hope that's okay. Oh, thank thank God. I was so scared that he was just going <laughs> to pop up and I have to deal with him. Oh, my God. Um, see, I feel like I have to be mean about Akiva now because I was nice in the Renap 100. And now I feel like I've built up enough goodwill that I can like beat them up oh, a little must, bit. It must be nice to have been invited to the Renap 100. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't do it. So <laughs> it's fine. I already yelled um, at him. Okay, perfect. Uh, so I'm torn a little bit. Um, I really, really liked uh, Rather Be at the start of the episode. Like, it was just a really great way to start the episode. They sound so good. It was very enjoyable. Um, but I, my favorite song of the episode has to be the final countdown. It's a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. But you, it was close. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, a couple of good options here. So I won't. Probably won't be surprised anyway. Anybody goes, but yeah. How how do you go wrong with uh, Sue and Will in that final uh, final countdown performance? Again, yeah, <laughs> it's the final countdown, right? So um, that's that. It's the final countdown. Well, I got to go for the other uh, rock number in this uh, in this episode, and I'm giving it to Far From Over. I uh, I just got my got my blood pumping i was just like in it i love the way that clint sounded like i just like oh like i just i love it's like of course sue made them do this song like on their first day of her as their like with with her as their coach i just i loved it it just like i'm that's gonna be like my new workout song like when i start running again i that's gonna be like number one in the playlist (laughs) i love it I might have to revisit it. You're uh, making it sound like it was a lot of fun, and I was uh, maybe not paying. It was so much epic. Attention. I kind of wish that it was. I kind of. I, I, I like what they did with the song in that, like they were they were uh, showing both the rehearsal process and Sue sort of like purging herself of her bullshit in the Hurt Locker. But I kind of wish that this was an actual vocal adrenaline performance. Like I feel like if they had done this number, like it would have rivaled. It wouldn't have beaten for me, but it would have rivaled. Um, uh, what's it called? Bohemian Rhapsody. Because wow. I just feel like the the energy on the song is just like it just packs a punch. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't but have with beaten no Bohemian Jesse Rhapsody. James. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have beaten Bohemian Rhapsody. I want to make that clear. But I'm just saying, like it would have been up there for me. I'd be like, okay, okay, Clint. I see you. I see you, boo. <laughs> All right. Well, my favorite song. I am uh, on Team Kirsten here. The final countdown is uh, is going to be my pick. It's just it's it's epic and it like. I think that song can really kind of like if you ca- if you catch it in the right time of your rewatch uh, and you realize you're at the end of the show, like there are only three episodes to go and they're singing this song, the final countdown here, uh, essentially like all the promos, of course, right now, only three episodes left in Glee. Um, and then they play this or whatever it was. So, yeah, um, that's going to be my answer as well. It was it was good stuff there, but rather be is also really good. So shout out to Jane for that. Uh, yeah, Jane is just so good. She's so good. And it's a crime that she, she has really not really been in anything that I know about since then, unless she has, and I don't know. Um, if she has, let me know, and I'll go watch it. I promise. Uh, slushy ratings. Kirsten, I know you really enjoyed the episode, but how much did you actually enjoy it? How many times would you slushy this episode? Okay, so I came in anticipating that I was going to do the unthinkable and give 
the episode zero slushies. <laughs> However, talking through it has made me feel like it's not like perfect. So I'm going to give it half a slushie because I loved this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I could tell from uh, you had uh, sent me a message earlier in the day that you enjoyed it so much and whatnot. Um, I don't know. It's, it was a joy. It was it was it's a good episode. Um, I'm trying to think like, yeah. And compared to episodes you had in the past, you know, you had um, you had mashup. Well, yeah, because mashup. Yeah, mashup was good and I liked mashup, but I feel like that was so early that the like scale of slushy ratings wasn't really yeah. established yeah, that yeah. much. And then the second one was um, for the meme, you dragged me into season three, episode seven, and I really hated that episode. Like, I wish I could go back and give it more slushies than I did at the time. Um, so, and then this one is like, I, it was just so much fun to watch. I was smiling the whole time. I kept dancing when the music came on. Like, oh, it made me want to watch all of Glee again. <laughs> um, yeah, I get it. I think you should. And we can go back from the start and rewatch this whole show all over again. Sounds good. Hell yeah. All over again. Aman, slushy rating. Hmm. So I enjoy this episode a lot. I think that the epic flameout of Sue Sylvester is something that all of us have wanted to see. Um, and I was I was equally I think what this episode really did that was great for me was that they made me equally uh invested in her downfall and in her uh in her comeback. Like when I got, you know, like, I mean, I've already talked about how much I enjoyed Far From Over, but one of the things that I liked the most about the number is that, you know, Sue was like trying to get back into her rhythm. And I, you know, I, I was rooting for her. Um, so I think that, that this episode sort of like encapsulate all of that. Uh, I think that there are a few things that they just throw out there that they just want us to accept, which I have a problem with. I understand that it's like the, like, it's the, it's the last season, right? So they're going to, they're, they, when they've been doing this since episode one of season six, they have been throwing things out there and seeing what sticks. And some of the stuff is like really outlandish. And I think they're like in on the joke here. I don't think that they're trying to convince us of anything, but I still feel like it, if it's not done cleverly, then it makes me, it, it makes me come out of the show. So the whole thing with raising the stakes at the end of the episode, I was like, I, I rolled my eyes at that. And the thing with Becky, like I, I love that Becky was the one that was like the, the thorn in her side. Like it was a, the last person that you would expect, but I just wish that there was more of a personal connection with her and the Warblers for her to be this pissed off. Like, why is this the final straw? Explain that to me. And then show us the reconciliation. Like, show us Becky and Sue. Like, show show us Sue talking to Becky and be like, I realized that I was being out of line and you called me out on it. I love you, Becky. Give me the hug between the two of them. I needed to see that and we didn't get it. Yeah. Okay, so all of that to say, I am going to give this episode one slushy. All that to say one slushy. Hmm. I, th- I, was, I was getting I scared. To... I was like, is the mom going to say like four slushies <laughs> and I'm going to have to like be upset with him? No, I just wanted to make sure that those grievances were aired because I enjoyed the episode for the most part. But those things like really, really bug me. And I feel like this is like we've got we've gotten a lot of that in season six where they just throw things out there. And I'm like, OK, I get it. You're, you're trying you're making fun of the show, but like don't lose the show along the way. Mm-hmm. OK, here's here's hmm. I'm I'm. Not sure exactly where to go with this because um, the grading that I'm, I'm currently thinking is, I guess, uh, worse than both of yours. Not by much. I, I Right now I have in my head a one and a half slushy. Um, and I think I'm going to ultimately land on that. I'm just, I'm all over the place with this one because there's a lot of things that I do enjoy from it. Um, a lot of the Sue Sylvester content is, of course, it's, how, how do you go wrong with Sue content? 
But my only thing is, I'm also judging it, I feel like, kind of on a bit of a uh, extra scale curve, whatever whatever I'm trying to say here. Uh, we are in the final episodes of Glee, and I think my expectations are super high at this point. I think I would have liked a little bit more if we didn't essentially have three of the final 13 episodes based around Sue. Um, I, I I love the character, of course, um, all the praise in the world for a lot of the storylines that they give her and put together here. But like I said, three of these episodes in this final stretch of 13 being like all about her and the Hurt Locker and now the rise and fall, like I kind of think they could have combined this all into two. Uh, I don't know about one, but like they could have kept this all together, I would say. I don't know. Um, I, we're just, like I said, in the final hours here, and I kind of want a little bit more from the Glee kids. I've always wanted more from the kids since season one, episode one. Um, and when it's way more about the adults, even if it's the uh, most entertaining adult on the show, I'm just not as happy as I could be. So uh, I still think it's a good episode. One and a half seems fair enough to me. Um, you know, we still have three episodes coming up where I think, you know, now that we're past this Sue Sylvester centric episode, I think we will get more of what I want. But yeah, I just can't be, I guess, as nice as uh, the, the half slushy or the one slushy. So just a little bit more with one and a half. So that's my thoughts there. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Hmm. Yeah, people are generally disappointed with me at this part of the podcast. So I'm used to it. But oh, no, uh, no, 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 it's OK. It's OK. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Kirsten, gold star. What are you? Uh, what are you thinking for your gold star? Okay, so I have to give my gold star to Becky Jackson. Without whom, this episode would not have occurred. Queen mm. Becky Jackson. Queen Becky. Queen Becky. Yeah, I kind of figured that a Becky star might be coming. Any uh, particular reason outside of the obvious, or just a? Uh... It's well. On top of all of that. Um, Becky is just such a great character on the show. Um, she has so many great moments over the series that I haven't been able to recognize because I haven't been on like a Becky centric episode. And so uh, even if she had done even less than what she did in this episode, I probably would have been like trying to find a way to give it to her anyways, just because mm-hmm. I love her. Yeah, I totally get it. Love to see Becky get more stars. And yeah, this whole thing was uh, was a lot to do with her. Of course, exposing Sue. She's had enough. She has a hot boyfriend now. And uh, that's all she is uh, truly concerned about. So Becky is uh, living her best life. He takes her there every time. Every time. Oh, so God. <laughs> go, Becky, go. Uh, Aman, gold star. Hmm. Uh, I mean, well, this is clearly Sue's episode. Um, does she need a gold star for this one, though? Um, do I give it to Geraldo Rivera? <laughs> I think that's illegal. <laughs> uh, I mean, Becky's a good option. I could, I could, I'm kind of sold on that. Um, there, I mean, who else though? Like, there really isn't anybody else. I'm not giving it to Rachel because, I mean, what is Rachel doing? She doesn't even know what the fuck she's doing. I mean, I feel like the episode wants me to say Sue, so I feel like I should. I feel like that's I should. see that's my that was my no. uh, that was my frustration though. Like I watched the entire episode. I'll tell you, I agree with you. I was watching the whole time. Like, give me somebody other than Sue. Like I already gave you your Sue Gold Star back in episode four when you were demanding it from me, Glee writers. Uh, do I have to do it again? Like, give me a different answer, and I'll tell you that I did come up with a different answer. But uh, I'll I'll let you go first. Still, I think. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Sue because even though this was supposed to be like her, her downfall, it is also her rise up. And I think that she finally got what was coming to her. 
Um, and this needed to happen because as we're going to see later on, everything happens for a reason. Uh, and I think that she handled her defeat pretty well. I mean, for her to land a job right after being fired as the principal, I'm surprised that Vocal Adrenaline hired her, but <laughs> um, for her to like go right back into it, I feel that that's somewhat commendable. Um, I don't condone any of the things that she has done, but I just like, I like it as a character choice. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Sylvester, congratulations. You remember that time where we got through like a whole season of you giving out different gold stars to like different characters? Season six, you have now given three gold stars to Sue Sylvester. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it's not what we would expect from a mom. It's just, like I said, it's her season. They really go out of their way to uh, give her content here. Okay, my gold star. I'm ready to say it. I'll rip the bandaid off. Will Schuster. Yeah, why? The rise and fall of Sue Sylvester. The rise and fall of Sue Sylvester, I sound like I'm reading off a speech, don't I? <laughs> Does not yeah, exist. I feel like in, in this essay. In this essay, I will explain. The, the rise and fall of Sue Sylvester does not exist without, you know, we, we talk a lot about how Sue is a worthy adversary for the Glee Club and for, for Will and for Rachel and for whoever else. But Sue does not get to this point in her in all of this, without having Sue, uh, well, without having Will up against her this entire time, the fact that he has been through all of this with Sue, and it culminates here in this episode, where even though she is awful to him, and he still gives this speech about how you know trying to help dig her out of the hole that she has crawled in, uh, the final countdown being like a battle of these two. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have a, a coherent narrative. I, I, the, in this essay, I really didn't quite put the essay down to uh, together here, but just, I, and I figured Sue would get a star as well. Um, it just felt like having Sue and Will both on the board here in an episode that really showcased, you know, it was really all about Sue, but ultimately it has a lot to do with Will along the way as well. Um, I'm also getting annoyed about Rachel and stuff that she's doing. Like I was wondering a couple episodes ago, I'm like, am I really going to get through season six without giving Rachel a gold star? Like, I don't want to, I would like to be able to award her a star, but she's like, you know, she's the lead character, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but she's not really doing it for me. So no surprise there, but yeah. Um, look, it's the end of season six. Um, I'm not really going to feel too bad about it. I think it makes sense. Uh, like I said, the rise and fall, when the fall happens, it means that Will is on top. And uh, that's an important part in Sue's character and how it all plays out over the years. So uh, he has a decent episode here with a lot of things that go down as an as a alternate to Sue getting a star. I think Will getting a star is a funny storyline. So that's where I'm at. She would be furious with you. She would. And uh, she's already had tons of bad stuff going on to her. So uh, this should be the least of her concerns. But who knows? Okay. What else? Um, I think I think that's it, right? I think um, so. I think th- I think you should appeal to the audience for five star reviews and ratings. You know, yes. we we should and we do, but then nobody listens. Nobody cares. Okay, guys, listen. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not yet rated the choir five stars and given a review, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, you still have some time to fix this. Go. To see the choir room on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use, give it a five star review. Just be nice. Right? They've done all of this for you in quarantine. You can't give them a five star rating. Just do it. And then if you are doing it because of this, write that I sent you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Kirsten. You started. <laughs> how, how does it feel to have started a podcast like what, like uh, a month and change ago, and you passed us by like forty reviews within like, <laughs> like, like three weeks? The Kate, the I think because we're the only like Love Island U.S. podcast, and there's nothing else to watch on TV, Maybe. but we have had like a significant number of ratings that we did not expect and it makes me really happy but also I do bully my audience in that way of being like leave us reviews or we'll be mad so Mm. I think it's just because I'm aggressive about it okay (laughs) well I say we just put we just take the that clip of Kirsten saying all of that Kirsten just saying all of that and then just play that for every single time so I don't have to say it because I feel like that one for is- all of the many episodes we have left here, yes. Yeah, like and go, go back, back and to go the back and edit one. all of them. Okay, all right. Go back and edit all of them. Not the worst idea we've ever had. Uh, no, please don't do that. <laughs> Unless you feel like it's right, you just you know it's your podcast. You just do what feels right to you. Well, f- you know what feels right, Kirsten, having you in here as our final guest ever of the choir room in the episode portion of the show. So we, uh, of course, thank you for coming back and joining us here. Uh, always a pleasure thank you for having me I always have so much fun when I get to talk to the two of you and especially I I'm just grateful that I got to be on for this episode which turns out I love turns out yeah it's crazy it turns out that I love it I didn't even know I just picked it (laughs) what an episode this was I'm still reeling from it but uh good stuff there Kirsten where can people find you I mean uh this like you said uh, this could be listened to now or in 10 years from now so Love Island content uh who knows how relevant it'll be at the time but you are killing it over on the Love Island coverage so if this does come out and the season is still on uh what's going on in your world well Even if the season's over, I feel like if you are listening to the Choir Room podcast, you are equipped for a binge listen. And what you have waiting for you is a number of Love Island podcasts, podcasts, uh, I said podcasts, I don't know, on the uh, reality TV wrap up speed at robhasawebsite.com slash loveislandpod. Um, So I highly recommend checking that out, Um, as well as there are still, I think, Riverdale podcasts coming out on Kowski Cast, uh, Cow with a K. Uh, And then you can follow me on all social media at Kirsten said what? Awesome. Yes. And uh, we will, of course, Kirsten, catch up with you again when uh, we have some fun things coming up after season six, some little projects that uh, looking forward to that. But can't wait. Can't wait. Um, Aman, did you already say where people can follow us? I am truly um, not. <laughs> he I did not. Did okay. You can follow us on Twitter at Quiet Room Pod. Make sure that you're following us individually. I'm Adam on Adwin. Mad at that. Matt Glory. Leave us star ratings and reviews as already in Florida on the DVD. So read them a lot on the show. Uh, I believe that's it. That's it. Bye. <laughs> we'll see you later.